Today's program has been brought to you by Route 11 Potato Chips. Made with a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. For more information, visit www.rt11.com. On behalf of our family of hosts, staff, and the millions of listeners who have tuned in since 2009, we want to wish you happy holidays and ask for your support as we launch our daily in-house news coverage. Please consider making us a part of your end-of-year giving in 2013. Your membership donation is tax-deductible and the best way to show you believe in our work and the importance of a free, food-focused media resource. Consider donating today at heritageradionetwork.org by clicking the Donate button. Thanks for your support, and enjoy the show. Good evening, and welcome to Foment About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm Mary Izette. And I'm Chris Kuzmi. And we're your co-host of this live weekly journey through all things fermented. We're archived <laughs> weekly on iTunes, Stitcher, also on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. What's going on, Mary? Well, let's see. I hear that we have a homebrew competition coming up in New York City. That's right. February 7th, uh, New York City's uh, longest-running homebrew competition, Homebrew Alley, BJCP, AHA, uh, sanctioned homebrew competition. Uh, one of the largest on the East Coast, but we're actually capping it off this year at 750 entries. Um, if you have uh, anything you're really proud of, you know, save a couple bottles and send it to us. You can find out more information soon at homebrewalley.org. And, of course, if you don't have anything special, it, you certainly have time to brew for it. Absolutely. And you can use all sorts of fun different types of yeast. <laughs> wow, that's exactly <laughs> what we're talking about tonight. So we're very excited. We, uh, Chris and I get Google alerts on yeast and fermentation and all kinds of stuff so we can try to keep up what's going on in the home brewing and brewing and fermentation world. And recently we came across a company called South Yeast. No, I lie. We actually found out about them through, through Anthony Accardi. That's right. That's right. Um, so a company called South Yeast, they're out of Greenville, South Carolina, and we have the founders on the line with us. Hi, guys. Hey. Hello. All right. David Thornton and Evan Schrivold? Schrivold. Schrivold. See, there we go. Uh, tell us a little about yourselves. All right, Evan, how about you first? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I am a graduate student at Clemson University. I came from Norway about five years ago, and right now I'm studying business and biomedical engineering. That's fantastic. And, and how did you meet David? And Well, uh, I, I think it was junior year. I had a roommate who told me there was a class called the Science of Beer. So, of course, I signed up immediately. <laughs> and through that, I met Dave, and we did a lot of different research projects on home brewing and kind of process engineering around beer. And one of those projects was to go out and collect some wild yeast strains to save a little bit of money. David, were you, were, you I, were attending the same class? or, or? No, he's a, he was the instructor for that. Uh -huh, that's, that's it, what yeah, I, I kind of have a unique position at Clemson. I'm, um, I'm staff there, and I'm the coordinator of the Sustainable Biofuels Program. So I, I do a little bit of teaching in a, in a special project-based learning program called Creative Inquiry. It's about uh, project-based learning for undergrads. Uh, so I basically teach these classes on how to create co-products from waste streams or biofuels production 
We had a lot of interest. Um, I'm also a grad student, but I'm in the biosystems engineering program. And um, we had a lot of interest in that program and learning about fermentation. So uh, I started teaching this creative inquiry that was about beer in addition to ethanol for fuel and some other fermentation products. It's pretty awesome, and it's all led to this. Had, had you been brewing a while? Have you been brewing a while? Well, sure. I've been a, a hobby brewer for a good eight years with hops growing at my place in North Carolina. Um, but I am, I'm a biofuels engineer by training, and um, it's, a, it's pretty similar, all the similarities as far as fermentations and bioseparations. So there's, there's a lot of overlap, and I'm just very fond of the beer movement in general. And you guys started the Clemson Brew Crew? Yeah, that was my project for the first semester of the class. So, tell, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Well, we found that the, the Creative Inquiry program has a very limited amount of spots per class, and there were a lot more people who wanted to learn about brewing than could fit into the class. So I decided to create something that was a little, little less academically rigorous, but still kept the focus on the brewing as opposed to just pure consumption of the beer. And through your knowledge, and be, so you guys just started, and from there, that, that crew is a great place for you guys to test out new yeasts and, and do a lot of brewing, and you, you have come to, to basically harvest and culture a bunch of yeast from pretty much everything you can find. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. We've been working a lot with local home brewers. That they're all kind of our crowdsourcing when it comes to just trying the recipes. Right. So when did you, how did you guys come up with the particular project to start harvesting your own yeast? Well, uh, I'll, I'll start that. It was, um, I guess, several years ago when we were having the, uh, uh, there was a lot of media that was talking about how the bees were dying off and the significance of reduction in bee populations. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of these articles kind of came across my radar about how bees are so significant in the brewing process because in their digestive system, they uh, they harbor several different varieties of yeast, and they swap them out, and you can sort of trace that to uh, um, seasonal yeasts that are available for brewing, all with different strains. You know, so that, that sort of piqued my interest. And since I was mentoring this creative inquiry class, and it's a project-based class, you know, I'll come up with a list of ideas, and students will come up with ideas. But I had about um, three students who were really interested in if we were to go bioprospect and then work on characterizing and identifying these yeasts. Um, and so what, what ultimately would happen from that is we created our own method, um, which really selects for alcohol fermenting strains. Uh, then we went and archived about um, 20 or so strains and began to characterize them in what we called yeast boot camp, where we're measuring attenuation, impact on color, impact on hops, um, fermentations at different temperatures, and ester production and phenolic production. Uh, so really we, we were learning at a very rapid pace how significant yeast was in beer. Um, well, we submitted to present our research at the American Society of Brew Chemists, and uh, we brought some samples of our native yeast brews with us, and it was, it was just so well received. Uh, I, I came back and I encouraged this group of students to turn this into something, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, how long does this does the initial process take? So you said your your first step was to do kind of a rapid selection just for alcohol production before you move on as far as like flavor and temperature. How long does like the, that first initial step take, and then from there? Uh, the total boot camp is about three weeks, where we have a clean strain that we know clean strain that we know it's like uh, performance characteristics. It's like vital brewing statistics. 
Okay. And then that's what, then after the three weeks, the yeast that you have chosen based on these vital brewing characteristics, those are the ones that you kind of put through this more rigorous testing. Is that correct? No, actually, they all, if, they, if they all produce alcohol and they all survive 10% alcohol and they all survive any, these uh, things sort of die off initially. There's multiple stages in our yeast boot camp. You know, first is just making sure it's anaerobic growth and consuming sugar. And then um, it's making sure that it's alcohol tolerant, that it can survive low pH, and that w- it will eventually flocculate. We have saved some strains that never really fully attenuate or don't really flocculate. Um, but we know that that's not what a lot of brewers are used to. So actually, and those strains might even be more appealing to the home brewers who tend to be so much more creative and uh, not worried about cloudy beer. Absolutely. Right. Or have the time to, to let something really, really mature and, and settle out if it's ever going to. Absolutely, yeah. With that, um, she was just talking about how, how fast you sometimes do that. When you, when you do your initial uh, culture, what temperature are you fermenting at? Because when we do at... At the brewery, like if I take my uh, gravity reading before, when I, when I throw everything over to, to my fermenter, I could do a forced fermentation and find out what potential uh, final gravity I'm going to achieve if I had that little small beaker. I'm not worried about flavor. I'm only worried about alcohol production or like how much my yeast can, can handle. I could find out the next day what my target final gravity could be. Um, so is that kind of what you're doing in the beginning once you find out alcohol can happen and then go for the best temperature for your yeast fermentation? Well, yeah, yeah. So first we are just measuring the apparent attenuation at um, between 68 and 70. You know, we get a little bit of fluctuation mm-hmm. in our fermenter temperature. But, yeah, we're testing in the ideal fermentation range. From there, though, you'll get some notes of, like, a fruiter, fruity ester or a peppery phenolic. And so there's, like, a little clue that if you raise this thing up to 78 degrees, you're going to get different performance. And so then we can start this whole myriad of tests to see exactly what happens. And we go both higher in temperature and lower in temperature. And uh, it's, been, uh, it's, it's proven to be really great to get a lot out of a single strain. You can get a clean at 60 Fahrenheit, and you can get lots of peaches and peppers up at around 80 degrees Fahrenheit. That's awesome. And then you guys are, are you guys testing at different original gravities as well? Uh, yeah, so we know that they all right now will handle up to uh, like a 22 uh, bricks or a 22 Play-Doh work. Anything that we sell right now will we'll go that high. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as above that, we're, we're really experimenting with like local groups right now who are wanting to make some more beers that were 11.5 to 14%. Um, the highest we've gone is up to 18% with a strain we isolated from muscadines. It's a really fast and really phenolic fermenter. Um, so it's probably even good for not only high gravity, but some distillation. And speaking to that, you guys aren't just focused on beer. You're focused on things that are good with cider, mead, and just all kinds of ferment- alcoholic fermentations. True? Not true? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> beer. beer is the gateway. Right. And, um so, of course, you know, brewing strains are also used in bread and even some in cheeses and rind formation. Um, but additionally, yeah, you know, other uh, fermented products like you guys cover all of them on, on the show, which is really great, from kombucha to kraut to kefir um, and all these different substances that, you know, they all come from organisms, and organisms vary from region to region and um, season to season even. So I think exposing, like, all of these like nuances is really uh, an exciting thing because you, you keep finding something new every time you look 
And uh, it changes from season to season just because of their ability to mutate so quickly. Um, you may not even find the same strain again, you know, the next year you go looking in that same orchard. Absolutely. Now, are you guys working exclusively with Saccharomyces, or are you working with some other yeast too, such as Britannomyces? And... It's definitely got lactobacillus. <laughs> other question. varieties. Um, <laughs> well, we do, we do have two isolated lactobacillus. Okay. Uh, we keep one that... So you're doing bacteria as well very... as yeast. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We just kind of started with some of the bacteria. Okay. And um, most of our yeast, I'm going to say, is probably Saccharomyces. The problem is, is that... Um, you know, we, we do go through PCR and sequencing, and that if you find a match that's like 90 to 95%, that's really not exactly close enough to say it's exactly what that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have, like, many of these are sort of in that 90% match range to Saccharomyces. And when, just to um, go back, so when you say PCR, that's you're basically looking at DNA, correct? Yeah. You, okay, you just to, for everybody the out there who's not as, you know, scientific. <laughs> <laughs> So you're saying, as, so a lot of them are coming up 90% match as far as the D- DNA goes to Saccharomyces or Britannomyces, but you can't be 100% sure. Not that it really yeah, matters, check- but... <laughs> we, ha- we have this really fabulous one. We call it B3. It was isolated from a blueberry. Um, it, it's pretty slow fermenting, but it will attenuate very far, and it produces um, a straw-like flavor and a nice acid tartness to it. Hmm. And, you know, it looks and smells like Brett. Right. And it came up as like a pretty distant, you know, it wasn't it was more related to Saccharomyces. Um, but um, you know, it's a really exciting strain and it's also easily killed by using an alkaline cleaner and then an acid based sanitizer. We find that it's like a you know, a ninety nine percent kill. So um it's really easy to work with and seems to be less of a threat than actually working with, with um a wild Brett strain. Right, or a lacto or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. That's very cool. That's very cool. I, I, I am Mary and I are, are very different in our brewing approaches, or <laughs> were until we started living together and doing this show. I'm the guy who's be, who, who is like you know be scared. There's there's stuff everywhere that's trying to mess with your Saccharomyces, right? And she's pretty laissez-faire, and her, she brews a lot of funky funky stuff. And uh, now I'm I'm less scared of that kill kind of thing. I think because of this. Although that's interesting because I never thought about doing those kind of kill tests are you doing those on all your yeasts as far as what you know you're, you said what the the uh the strain the last strain that you talked about that had some the straw and tartness um are you testing them with alkaline cleaner and i mean does that happen with all your strains yeah absolutely you know because we asked brewers you know what are they scared of right you know and they're scared of like an impenetrable stone forming in their fermenter mm-hmm. or uh this thing lingering inside of um a soft surface like a gasket or a hose. Right. So we really got to check. And, you know, and those are still vulnerable places no matter what yeast you use. So we also you know, really advise that you have designated hoses and gaskets, all soft parts on a designated funk tank. Right. Absolutely. Uh, but and- you, most of our strains, too, they, they perform just like typical Saccharomyces. So, you know, I'd say like 90% of what we offer, you have nothing to worry about. You can brew with it the way you brew with a normal... Um, strong ale or Belgian yeast. Right. And on that note, we're going to take a brief break. Stay on the line, guys, and we'll be back with you uh, just a couple minutes. For minutes.
following program has been brought to you by Root 11 Potato Chips. From the moment Root 11 Potato Chips dropped their first batch of chips back in the early days of 1992, they understood their destiny as a high-quality producer. Instead of succumbing to the frenzy of mass production, they took advantage of their small size and made chipping a personal art form. The payoff was immediate. An incredible potato chip. With a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. In this world of uncertainty that we live in, Root 11 Potato Chips believes comfort food should be just that. Know where your food comes from. For more information, visit rt11.com. Welcome back to Foment About It. On HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We're here with Evan and Dave from South Yeast Labs in Greenville, South Carolina. And we're talking about their new up-and-coming yeast company, um, these labs. So how many how many strains have you guys isolated thus far? Oh, right now, we have twenty two different yeast cultures. Wow. And let's talk a little bit. So I know you you have your the Clemson Brew Crew that's been doing some experiments with these yeast as well as other local home brewers. I know that Chris and I read some articles about you guys and one of your local homebrew stores, I believe it's called Grape and Grains, has several beers that they've been using your yeast in. And you have some commercial breweries. So I, we'd, I'd like to hear a little bit more about how you guys have been getting your, your um, yeast strains tested and some of the feedback that you've gotten from both commercial and home breweries. Evan, go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pretty funny. So most of our testing has actually been through, it's been kind of word of mouth around here that the craft beer community in the upstate of South Carolina is really booming and breweries are really trying to differentiate themselves from every other brewery that's coming up. So they want something new, they want something local and unique, and they come to us and say, we've heard about you guys, can you give us some yeah. Let us try it. Oh. And you're really making this part of a, I mean, a lot of what you uh, talk about is how this kind of makes it similar to wine in that it's, we're now talking about terrar and local yeast strains and you know things that are native to your area. And you guys are also using local malt from Asheville, North Carolina, correct? I'll address yeah, that. The, the malt, uh, we, have, we actually have a, a small plot of organic hops at Clemson Student Organic Farm. Um, the farm manager down there takes care of for us. So, uh, and we also recently just planted uh, an acre of wheat and an acre of rye. So we are, we are trying to kind of push the, the development of regional flavors. And uh, I know one other thing that... I, we should probably mention is that once we started talking about capturing wild yeast, it was through homebrew groups like Just Brew at Anderson, the Clemson Brew Crew, the Upstate Brew Crew, a bunch of these clubs that we have around the upstate of South Carolina. And then we were approached by some commercial breweries who were like, you know, I have this sentimental or nostalgic kind of like place that I would love to capture yeast from. I wonder if it's any good. Um, and, and so we went and we nabbed one for Brewery 85 that came from uh, the skin of a peach that we grew at, at Clemson, so it was one of the non-sprayed, you know, um, no fungicide or pesticide that would damage the yeast. And we got a really nice, healthy yeast that is completely separated from its parent now by, you know, that was almost two years ago we isolated it, and it still has a peach ester that it produces that's really great, and it you know, kind of begs the question, when we smell these different aromas, are we smelling the fruit producing that or the interaction of <laughs> microorganisms <laughs> processing that? That is fascinating. <laughs> Mary's very into it. Let me tell you a story about how disgustingly awesome. No, no, Mary no, is no, no. Let okay. her finish. Okay. <laughs> 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 
Keep going. I also read about a honeysuckle saison that you guys either have developed or are developing with another brewery. It's, yeah, um, the brewmaster at Thomas Creek, Tom Davis, uh, also requested then, um, you know, he's had this idea of using honeysuckles to ferment his beer. Well, um, you know, part of the reason, reason we developed this method is when you try to make your own sour mash, you're really taking a gamble. It's probably going to be a polyculture of multiple organisms. Mm-hmm. So with the class, you know, we combined our microbiology and our engineering principles, and we created a method that would actually refine it to, like, you know, sort of who's the gladiator in that mix that's going to, um, you know, come out on top. Or we isolated it to make sure we got a pure strain. And what that lets us do is now test these strains before we brew with them just so that we don't have, you know, it's sort of like a half-spontaneous fermentation, I guess. You know, it's not going fully spontaneous. It's like starting spontaneous and then saying, well, whatever one of you I like, I'm going to let you finish the job here. Right. And so we did that with the honeysuckle. And it, too, also retains a sort of floral ester as well as a really peppery flavor when you let the temperature climb on it, like nice cracked black pepper. Very cool. So tell us about your plans for launching the business, because you guys are not, you're kind of in the, still in the process, correct? And how can we help? Well, right now yeah, we Evan have that one too. a project coming up. That's... Where the first, first one is we have a crowdfunding campaign okay. going on at uh, ClemsonIdeas.com. It's semi-live right now. It hasn't gone fully public yet, but it's still accessible for people. That's, we're trying to build and upfit our lab using funds from that rather than selling off too much equity while we're still in the infant stage of the business. What, okay. is, what is the website again? ClemsonIdeas.com. ClemsonIBS. Ideas. Ideas. Yeah, and we can, we can put the link on our website um, and out on Facebook and stuff, too. Excellent. I appreciate it. So and that's, then the second... So that's going to go, go towards building the laboratory, you said? Absolutely. Okay, and the second part? The second one is more of a publicity for both the home brewing and the commercial brewing market, where we have uh, one of the finale events of uh, the Craft Beer Week in Charlotte. It's called All Ale to the Queen. And mm-hmm. we're working with them to make a, a kind of an Iron Chef-type home brewing competition where every beer will be fermented with South Yeast. Nice. And when, so is, um, when is that beer week? That would be, uh, it's March 22nd. For okay, this very cool. And we're supplying all of the yeast to people who are willing to, to bring stuff to this competition. Where can they find out information on that? Do they go to um, Southeast to the Facebook page or to, is it being organized? Uh, that one, through? it would be on all ale to the queen.com. Okay, great. <laughs> Mary's looking at me. She doesn't want me to tell this story, but I'm still going to tell this story. Should I be scared? We were at the bar the other day at, at 508 Gastrobury, and uh, the bartender came to us. You know, it was, the, it was the end. We were having some final pints. We were the only people there. And um, uh, the bartender came to us. She was like, I just, I just threw some hot water down the drain right underneath the taps. The drain to the ta- underneath the taps go through the refrigerator or the, the keg rider, basically, is how, how we're kind of serving beer at that bar, uh, and, and then out the side into the sink. And uh, when she poured hot water through it, this slimy, long, snake-like scoby kind of ran out of the drain into the sink. And she brought it over to us on a plate. She's like, look what, look at this. Look at what just came out of the thing. And Mary looked at it, smelled it, licked it, tasted it. 
It, it was gross and awesome, but it was it basically it's a scoby. <laughs> right, it it was a scoby. I mean, it smells exactly like a scoby. It has the same <laughs> texture. It has the same you know kind of striations and pattern. So I anyway I put it on black tea. So what what do you yeah, guys think right as home, professional microbiologists? With this thing. I, I love it. You know, I <laughs> I, I recently um, I think yeast was my gateway bug, and now. Um, as I've been, you know, we, we observe like polycultures and biofilms, which are, are like a polysaccharide matrix that have a bunch of different organisms living in them, which, which is, is exactly what a, what a SCOBY is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so usually that, that kind of cloudy mother you see is probably the acetobacter. And then, sure, you've got some yeast from whatever beers you pump through that line living in there symbiotically with it. Um, so I, I wouldn't be scared of that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of... See, I told there, you. So. I'm just fond of you. I want to want you okay. That's all. Yeah, so the studies, um, you know, show that if you can lower the pH below like 4.5 or increase the alcohol above 10, you kill, you know, the main pathogen, something like Clostridium or... Um, I can't say everything, but you, you kill most of them. You know, it might give you a bellyache or something like that, but you're not going to kill yourself. Right. And I did, I mean, I, I started it like a proper kombucha starter. I added some white vinegar to the solution, you know, to my mm-hmm. my um, my starter. So It lives. We haven't named it yet. No. This thing lives. Oh, uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like this. It looks like snake wine just because it's got this long, I mean, it is the shape of this tube. It's the shape of a drain, yes. Of a drain tube. It's, <laughs> So what are you guys' next step? You're doing this crowdfunding, and you're continuing to, to isolate yeast strains. What else are you guys uh, doing as far as next steps? Uh, we've got two commercial breweries that are releasing uh, beers probably in the next month. There, um, And so we're, we're looking forward to like more. Uh, we have one brewery, Grape and Grain, which is a commercial brewery. They've released maybe three or four beers, and now they're starting to release uh, ciders, wines, and yeasts. Um, oh, so cool. definitely expanding into um, those fermentations as well, which Evan and I do on our own for fun, you know, making mead and wine and um, anything that we can ferment, uh, but now putting it in the hands of these crafters who are, are, are better than we are. <laughs> so um, we thought we had pretty good beer, you know, when we started serving it at the ASBC conference, but now that we're starting to get beers back and have people saying that they've won awards um, for various beers they've made using our yeast, we're like, yeah, but they're, you know, we just need to get rid of this yeast and give it to people. <laughs> we, we shouldn't be holding on to it. Right. It's right. awesome. Well, I'd be glad to take some of that out of your hands as well. <laughs> I that. So right now the only way that we can, um, we, we have two ways that we distribute. Um, for the individual vials, which are a 100-milliliter uh, sealed vial with 100 billion cells in it, we sell those all through Grape and Grains. They do have a, a website. And I know they've mailed some up to some listeners to your show, which I hear is how we um, yeah. maybe got yeah. mentioned here. Yep. So thanks to uh, the Transmitter Brewing Group. Anthony Accardi. And Rob. And Rob. Yeah. And um, then we um, we do direct. You know, you can email us or call us if you're looking for, like, a five-barrel or greater pitch. We, we, we sell pitches by the leader. And, awesome. um, yeah, I yeah. hope to work with somebody. I'm a, I'm a small brewer. I'm, I'm a two-barrel, but I'd love to take you up on that offer, actually. Yep. And so we'll talk and, uh, after class. Know, <laughs> yeah. One other service that we offer, too, is, is uh, the whole bioprospecting and refining. So, one, it is one of the rewards you can choose through our crowdfunding site, which is uh, you pay you pay a certain reward fee, and then we basically prospect as many organisms as we can find within um, you know a two-day span. And we come back, we clean them all up, and we give them back to you. And we also bank them for you. So, you know, if you lose it and you want to get it again, 
um, we can give that back to you. Oh, so awesome. we've had a couple people actually take us up on that now. So we've done that for about four, uh, three breweries, and we've got another one scheduled coming up here. You're talking about and when they give you something that they find interesting for their own for a certain right? Yeah. Well, one, one in particular hires to come and scour over their um, 16,000 acres near them, <laughs> and uh, oh. we, return, we returned back to them. Uh, 11 strains of yeast that were actually really, like, each one unique, each one drinkable. You know, we got rid of a bunch, too. We set, I think, 24 traps across the property. And, um, yeah, so (laughs) if we can get more success like that, would be great. Brooklyn Bridge, here we come. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, East River. (laughs) (laughs) Now, do you guys, are some of the crowdfunding more geared towards um, rewards, more geared towards homebrewers? Do you have any? Well, Still the homebrew, right? or, our, our smaller rewards are mostly physical things, not the yeast samples themselves, just to cut down a little, the logistics of this. Yeah. We're still trying to figure out how to ship mass amounts of yeast like Northern Brewer does. Mm-hmm. Right. So we figured we'd, we'd make it easier for this first one, and we'll be launching a more proper crowdfunding campaign sometime in the future. But we're using this just to get get up and running, and then see where we go from there. Very cool. Well, thank you guys so much for being on the show. We look forward to hearing from you and talking to you in the future and seeing how the whole business goes. And we're definitely both excited about brewing with some of your yeast oh, sometime. Absolutely. Absolutely. And please come up to New York. Visit us. We'd love to yep. host you anywhere. Or we might be coming down there. We're actually going to be – my parents live in Atlanta, so we'll be down there for the Christmas holiday week. That's right. Um, but we might – we've been trying to plan a weekend trip to Asheville, North Carolina – for a while, so we might head down your way at some point in the future. And to any listeners, oh, yeah, you, you'd pass right, right, right by us. So um, <laughs> definitely call us. Yeah, absolutely. And to any listeners who are expecting to marry to uh, to talk on mead today, we were having so much fun uh, talking about uh, uh, yeast. We have not gotten there, so there'll be another show towards towards short mead. Yep. <laughs> anyway, happy holidays! Thanks again to Evan and Dave from South Yeast and. Evan, sorry, and Dave from Southeast in Greenville, South Carolina. And uh, we'll be back next Monday at 7 p.m. on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. For men men about it. it. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.